Well, hey everyone, and welcome to Overtime. This is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message. We are so glad that you're joining us. Normally, we do this live, so we say, hey, if you're joining us on any of our platforms, jump in, comment, say hey, we'll give you a shout out. Yeah, we love that. Yes, we absolutely love that. We'll continue to do that. However, this week, because we actually have a field trip to Urban Promise and some of their summer camps that they're doing, we won't be able to be live this week. So as you're listening to this, this is pre-recorded. It's Monday the 2nd as we do this. Normally we do it on Tuesdays, which would mean the 3rd. But if you are in the chat, feel free to say hi. We won't be monitoring that, like I said, because of our field trip. But you can say hi to one another. If you do have questions, you're welcome to submit them there. You can email us overtime at clcfamily.church. You can even still text us 610-869-2140. And we can get to those questions next week. Absolutely. However, Absolutely. we won't be able to get to those questions live. Because, like I said, this is pre-recorded. If you're viewing this via podcast. Welcome to the party. We're glad yeah. that you're here. That Probably not much has changed for you, but for that live audience, it does change a little bit, but we are glad that you're here. Um, announcements. We usually try and give you a quick announcement before we jump into the content of what we talked about this weekend. We do want to let you know that the Big Yellow Mug is back to its regular hours. So we are now from 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. Monday through Friday. So we are open. We are doing our specialty drinks again. We paused for a while as we didn't have access to that kitchen as construction was happening. But all of that is better now. In fact, we're figuring out how to use our new Turbo Chef and playing with more uh, recipes and ideas and things. So things will be changing hopefully soon, but we are back to regular hours starting this week, starting on August 1st or 2nd. Today, I guess, technically is the 2nd. So uh, starting then, we are back at our regular hours. So stop by the mug if you're interested in doing that. You can check out their Facebook page for more information and to stay up to date on breakfast menus on specialties and hopefully once we get to the point where we can do extended hours you'll see that posted there first as well so that's kind of the announcements part uh, what we usually like to do is do a recap of the message but always encourage you to start by watching or listening to that Sunday morning service this is always kind of the continuation of that so I would encourage you to start there if you haven't already done that but do you want to give us kind of a yeah recap? before I do I was just thinking about big yellow mug a couple things that you need to know is we really want to extend those hours and yeah. we know, we are so confident, God has picked out the right person to help us extend those hours by coming on staff for the, for the Big Yellow Mug as the Big Yellow Mug barista make the drinks yeah. and the church receptionist. And then basically as a greeter position, you're going to make a couple of drinks in the here every now and then. And so if that's you, I'd love, yeah. love, love for you to consider pray about it. Or if you got a grandparent or a grandkid or a spouse, this could be a really, really good yeah. thing to recommend to them or a child, whatever that is, just as long as they can be a really great greeter and make some drinks. Yeah. We'd love to hear from them. And the hours are flexible. Yeah. Like right now, we're even talking about maybe the possibility of one or two people filling that role instead of just yeah. one. So if you have any interest in at all, please volunteer and do it. Please let us yeah. know. Email Ben, B-E-N. That's how you spell that. I, the way I say it sounds like B-I-N, but it's B-E-N uh, at clcfamily.church. Yeah. And the other thing is on Sundays, it's now open for breakfast, so a lot mm -hmm. of you are taking advantage of that. Just want to remind you uh, the way that I say it, and it's really offensive, but I'll tell you all this. We don't want to aid in a, in a bad sin, so we don't want to have the big yellow mug be a distraction from you being able to worship yeah. God or hear God's word. And so, reminder, uh, big yellow mug opens early, so come in a little earlier than church. Get here by you know eight eight fifteen, maybe eight thirty, to grab a drink and grab some breakfast. We'd love to serve you, but we also would love to make sure that we create a great environment to honor and worship Jesus and hear 
him and do what he says, right? Yeah. So anyway, just so you know. Now we are in week uh, nine of the better series, week 55, I think, 56 <laughs> of the Gospel of Luke series. So each and every week, we're trying to help you just take the next right step with Jesus. That's all we're trying to do. And uh, this week is a little different. There's actually several different steps. They're not really several different steps. They're just lots of words that uh, were a that alliterated. I don't even think that's a word, but that were alliterated, meaning there is some good opposites to talk about based on Jesus's words. And so this week, the challenge is for you first to choose not to be foolish and instead be faithful, meaning trust God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength and take those steps with him. Choose gratitude over greed. Really, really important. Those two things uh, can't coexist can't be greedy and grateful at the same time. And anytime you're either being one or the other, and let's be grateful. Third one is we got to choose contentment over covetousness. Covetousness, meaning that covetousness is this desire to have more of the, than that you currently have. And typically that more comes uh, because you've seen someone else who has it. The scriptures are kind of interesting here. They say don't cover your, your neighbor's wife or their ox. Very, very important. We should not covet. So let's choose contentment over covetousness. We'll cover that word contentment a little bit more. And then the big one, big one in my opinion, this is the real step to choose this week is you get to choose to be a container or a conduit. Yeah. It takes us a while to get there. What's interesting is the middle school crew came in for communion. So it's supposed to be about a 45-minute sermon. It was 52, so I went seven minutes over. So as they come in 45 minutes in, they're coming up into the balcony. I'm kind of wrapping up the sermon, and I kept talking about choosing a conduit over a container. And I was talking about it with the kids, my kids, uh, at home over lunch. We were just chatting about the Wii service, and I was talking a little bit more about being a conduit. And Briggs okay. was like, oh, it's conduit. I thought you said condiment <laughs> over a container. And he's like, I thought it was like the part that adds like, spice and flavor and it's like well you know god tells us to be salt and light it could work yeah and so but anyway so not condiment over container it's like one just holds the thing the other gives it flavor and it's like okay i understand i appreciate that you were able to make that connection yeah right that i wasn't but conduit meaning god blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others he literally tells the nation of israel before it gets started he uses abram who's going to become abraham who's going to have a son who's going to have son to one of them is going to become jacob and get his name changed to israel and have 12 sons to make these tribes and he starts it all with abram he says go to the land that i'll show you really interesting and then he says i'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing so we see there uh, you see in the new testament because god has been gracious to us and generous to us we should be gracious one to another generous one to another and so as you think about that the whole idea is god pours out his blessings. We'll talk about how to kind of set that ignition button to get that going in our lives. God pours out his blessings on us so that we can then bless others. You can enjoy it, but the way you're going to enjoy it the most is by using the things that God's given you for his kingdom, for the the, the purpose of making the kingdom of heaven invade earth. And so, anyway, that's what we talked about. I want you to choose to be a conduit over a container, meaning please, please, please don't stop up that blessing. Make sure that you have your pipes cleaned and cleared. <laughs> So that goodness can flow right through you. And deep down, deep down, I know you want to do that. And so be great to talk today about how we can do that. So looking forward to that. Yeah, and we did, as we <coughs> looked at those four different um, areas, either foolishness over, uh, we should choose faithfulness over foolishness, um, contentment over covetousness, um, <coughs> gratitude over greed, and then um, conduit over, con- or 
Yeah, yeah conduit over container. Um, it seemed like we kind of really boiled down, and maybe this is just working through the service as we got to yeah. the end. It was like that final one is emphasized. Is there more, did you mean to put more of an emphasis on that last one, be a conduit over a container? Or is that just more the way the message felt? Um, no, no, no. That, that was intentional because it, even with the others, you can be faithful over foolish, right? Mm-hmm. You can be faithful to God. You can pray. You can trust him. Being, you know, content over be, being one that covets, right? Yeah. Like you, you can choose those things and you can choose to, you know, have gratitude for it over greed, right? All right. those things and yet still miss the mark, yeah. right? Because you go, even as you receive these things, you can be grateful for them and still miss the mark of yeah. why in the world God would bless us so much. And that's yeah, where he says be rich towards God, meaning there's something about how we invest these things towards the things of God. And so all along the thought was we got, these are some characteristics that we got to change. We want okay. our kids to change these. We should change these. But at the end of the day, as those change, what should be evident, that natural fruit of, yep, I'm no longer a fool. I'm faithful. I'm no longer greedy. I'm grateful. I'm no longer coveting. I'm content. Mm-hmm. What the natural evidence of those things are is these things that you're grateful for, that you're not a fool about, are going to flow through you. Mm-hmm. So the natural evidence of that is you are a conduit there okay. and not a container. You're not hoarding. You're you're pouring, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I, that was a question that I just had as I was yeah, reading yeah. through it or listening to it, that was one of the things that I thought. Um, One of the things that we do want to get to today that you had mentioned on Sunday was uh, getting to Malachi chapter 3. We do want to get to that towards the end, so we want to try and make sure that we reserve enough time for that. So the way that I want you to think about that, and we'll talk about it, is how do you push the button that starts the conveyor belt yeah. of these blessings. Yeah. Like where where's the button? What's the conveyor belt look like if the goal is to be a conduit? Yeah. How do I open up the faucet? Yeah. Right? How do I open up the faucet? How do I flip the, you know, the breaker for the power to be on? Yeah. Whatever you want to use in terms of the imagery of why you need the conduit, how yeah. do you get that going? Really, really important. We'll see that. I actually wrestle with container versus conveyor. Okay. And I was like, ah, I think I think uh conduit probably makes more sense. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I should I don't know. We've talked about conduit in the past, and he wouldn't. Briggs, my son, wouldn't have thought that condiment conveyor, right? So I could have talked about Krispy Kreme donuts. Oh yeah, there's an illustration in there somewhere, right? Um, So as we jump into the text, I do want to kind of read through that. So we'll get to Malachi, unless some of our questions may bring up that Malachi text. It might be. We'll see. but this is, what it feels like is that this is kind of a continuation from the last three, maybe even four yeah, weeks. Yeah, and the next two, for the next three weeks, yeah. including this one, we're going to talk about money a little bit. So yeah. just to prepare you, people ask, why don't you talk about money much? Or why don't you talk about X, Y, or Z? And my answer is always, when the text brings it right. to us, we'll talk about it, right? right? And so when the text brings us to racism, we're going to hit it hard. When the yeah. text brings us to treasures and monies we're just going to be very direct and yeah. upfront with it so it literally is where the text is leading us in the next couple of weeks the text is leading us to kind of reveal where our treasure is yeah. and what our decisions are and by that particularly our treasure as in our money and the way that god kind of jesus kind of describes it so we'll be there for a little while but yeah it has been of course yeah. a continuation of- and so this is jesus as he talks to the religious folks right like the scribes yeah. the pharisees the people that were the the good christians yeah. right but they were still missing the mark. So maybe yeah. good Christian isn't the right word. They were the religious folk. Yeah. Yeah. And so as we're doing this, one of the things that I commented, I think it was yesterday morning of going, man, either, you know, I think that there is some of this, we're slowing it down so that we can fully understand, yeah. that we can grasp, we can see as Luke is collecting this text and really why is he's kind of adding that too. But 
I, man, this must have been a long or a tough message for these these Pharisees and these scribes and this, these religious leaders because Jesus is, he's not holding back. No, no, no. This is like, this is the comfort, the afflicted, afflict the comfortable. Yeah. This is Jesus being very direct. And I imagine it was a very awkward moment where yeah. a bunch of people couldn't make eye contact with one another. I mean, it was like, <laughs> you know, like I'm one of the things that's... So I had acne, I've shared this before, and yeah. I can remember every time an acne commercial came on, you know, Proactive or whatever it was, like I just felt like the whole room was staring at me, like, oh gosh, I'm just ready for that thing to change. I mean, to the point, this is okay. so embarrassing. I, I, when I was a freshman in high school, I actually stole from a Kmart tinted zit cream. Only thing I've ever shoplifted in my life, and I shoplifted it to cover up my acne. So such a broken part of me, and okay. you don't even know how to respond I, to that. I don't, I don't I even know what tinted... Yeah, so Whatever it basically is, it was like zit cream you put on top of your... With, uh, with like foundation in it Yeah, essentially, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. But anyway, to cover that stuff up. And so I can remember like just in my okay. head, I feel like everybody's staring at me. I guarantee you there were hundreds of religious <laughs> leaders that thought that everybody else was thinking of them as a talking about it. It's yeah. related to yeah. finance or whatever. And so um, what we're seeing in our world right now is um, there's... There's some interesting things rising up on the left, sorry about that, uh, on the left and the right, yeah. kind of. And they're both using words like like uh, the regime or the yeah. system, right? right? And right. now, and depending on where you're at in the system and how high, you can be a Republican or a Democrat, and yet the system still works for you. And there's a lot of people starting to notice those things or at least think about those things and they're going, ah, there's actually the system at play. How does that work out for them? Why did that go away for Governor Cuomo? Why in the world did George W. Bush or whatever, yeah. not whatever those things are? And the answer is kind of this weird thing. It's like the system is doing it. I don't know who the system is, but it does seem like the way that our culture is built and it benefits some people and hurts other people. Yeah. So what Jesus is doing here is it's kind of coming in and he is attacking the entire system. Yeah. There is a system for this religious leaders that candidly was working out pretty well for. Yeah, right. They had lots of affluence and tons of influence and didn't really have to sweat about much. Yeah. And so Jesus is coming in like with a sledgehammer and destroying the system and everything about how dirty they are on the inside. Calls them whitewashed tombs and spiritually yeah. dead and telling them they're defiling everyone. And then he's going to get to the... Heart of the matter. What people say all the time is, you want to know what's going on, follow the money. Yeah. So all of a sudden, he's going to point out kind of the complications of this. And the reason he points it out is because someone in the crowd yeah. yells, hey, the system's not working out. Can you fix the system for me? Right? Yeah. Like, the older brother shouldn't get it. Yeah. Right? So someone from the other side yelling about the system yeah. that isn't working for the other people that don't have the same privileges. Right? Yeah. And so this is where Jesus is going to address this. And so he's not just addressing it for this one brother. Yeah. He's addressing it just as much for the if it's the older brother. And everybody in this little, little bitty story just <laughs> lands a massive punch yeah. on everyone and so it doesn't get better after this but he sure is very clear and so yeah so interesting the brilliance of his teaching one of the things that you had done is i can't find it in my notes so i'm not sure where exactly you did this i think it was probably right about here where we're talking in the message um you talked about the middle seems to be disappearing right like, yeah so it's either right we or both left. follow and listen yeah. to carrie newhoff yep. he's been he's done a good deal of work on this but it definitely seems like everything's going to two extremes yeah, like right. if you're in the middle you kind of feel like, oh, I'm a little weird. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't care if you wear masks, but if you wear masks, fine to me too. No, right. you need to have a hard stance on this, right? right? Like, right, ah, right. you know, like, so on so many different things, it does feel like that. And I am convinced that COVID 
wiped out a good bit of the middle class yeah. in yeah. this. People are poorer and people are richer. Yeah. And what our nation basically was set up with was just this moderate bunch of people to kind of being pushed to the to the periphery on one side mm. or the other. Yep, yep, yeah. I think it's happening. Uh, yeah. So I didn't know if there was anything more that you wanted to talk about than that because one of the things that I thought about specifically for masks was yeah. uh, I remember the conversation. I don't remember if it was in staff or a combination of in staff and with our church, but we have said on occasion that we are kind of choosing the messy middle. Yep. Right. Like, so I didn't know if there was anything more because I just, yeah. as I was connected, I was going, man, it does seem like it's either right or left. Yeah. You're the force against us, but yet we've intentionally kind of said, now we're kind of choosing the middle. Yeah. So that, and, and that's the reason people don't choose the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it kind of is so funny. It's like when everybody seems to be upset, I feel like I'm in the right lane, <laughs> right? If I'm upset, everybody on you know the religious side yeah. and on the irreligious side is like, I think we're in the right lane. And it certainly seems that Jesus is going to be in that lane too. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, it's just the problem is that the messy middle is really inefficient. A policy doesn't solve it, right? Yeah. You can't just make one blanket statement. And what you do is you support your base with that blanket statement and you enrage the other side. Yeah. And but So policies tend to make that messy and angry. And so in the middle, it's like you just have to have lots of personal conversations. Yeah. And it requires a lot of time. That's why you use words like red light, yellow light, green light. Or, yeah. Hey, let's just acknowledge that not everybody's in the same place yeah. and didn't get to that place for the same reasons, right? That's so why I love C.S. Lewis's statement, never judge a person by where they are because mm. you don't know how far they've come, yeah. right? And so it's like you just have to wade into that stuff. And it's it's not, all, it's not that much fun at yeah. times, but it's like, ah, it's just part of it. So let's be a church that just yeah. puts our waders on and leans yeah. all the way in, in the middle of it, and loves people on every side because Jesus loved people on every side. And by the way, that's what this passage really matters. This passage is actually a result of deep commitment and love Jesus has hmm. for his people, his right. children. And that's the religious people here right. too. So that's why he tells this story because he loves them. Yeah. So. And I feel like that, I think that's so important. You can't separate Jesus's harsh language is the, the mode of his love, right? Like that hopefully they would see the error of their way. And I can't help but wonder, like as Luke is recording this, this is in either great detail that Luke is like talking to these people or he is just, he's talked to the right people that he's being able to record it yeah. in great length or just... I don't know. That's kind of what I'm thinking is that yeah. it's it's either in great length or there was so much more that was yet left unspoken by Luke yeah. as he's writing this that, man, there was a lot there. But the reason there was a lot there was because Jesus's teaching was to, yeah. as you said, afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Yeah. So what's interesting is John, we get theses, a thesis statement in most of the Gospels. John and John 20, 23, I think. Don't hold me to it. 2031. He says, I write, uh, he said, I could write a bunch more. And yeah, the right. libraries couldn't hold all the miraculous works right. that Jesus did right. on earth. But but I write these things so that you may believe. Right. Right. So every bit of his writing through the work of the Holy Spirit is so that people can actually believe in yeah. Jesus. So what we can deduce, because Luke tells us his thesis in Luke 1, 4, I write these things so that you can have certainty of the things you've been taught, mm -hmm. that he is driving towards a very specific point, which right. is, I want you to know about what Jesus taught about. Right. Well, what right. Jesus taught about was the contrast between the kingdom of this earth mm -hmm. and the kingdom of heaven. And one of the ways by which the kingdom of heaven plays out is when people see their resources as resources to be yeah. stewarded for the kingdom of heaven. So in that sense, he came to talk about the kingdom of heaven where uh, religion doesn't play a part, right? Where you don't earn your, it's not a meritocracy. You can't earn it. And so 
of course, Luke's going to capture us. So we can deduce three things, right? That Luke was wrote an exhaustive thing, so he yeah. did a lot of work. Two, that there was a lot more teaching that we don't gather because right. Jesus is in there and never wants us to talk about Jesus using the bathroom. But yeah. I guarantee you he uh, used it at least once a day. So yeah. there were things that happened that we don't gather yet. In fact, I don't yeah. even think any of the disciples uh, reference used it. So yeah. anyway, yeah. we know this in that normal everyday life. So, yeah. so there's more to it. Luke did do an exhaustive thing. And the, thir- the third one mm-hmm. is uh, the Holy Spirit is actually yeah. writing this stuff. And yeah. so what I love about the Gospel of Luke, is many scholars call it the Gospel of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. because Luke is going to usher in and talk about and highlight the work of the Spirit often. And so we can deduce that the Holy Spirit Help Luke write yeah. every single word by putting the right people in front of him and the right documents in front of him to get this pat. This is exactly the words yeah. that God intended for you and I to read. Yeah. There needed to be no additions or subtractions. Right, right. There needed to be no edit to rip in. This was the one. So this is what he has for us, meaning yeah. every one of these words he thought about you and I hmm. as he was writing them. Yeah. So. So as we do jump into the text, so what are we, about 20 minutes in? Um, Perfect. We are looking at Luke 12, it's verses 13 through 21. Say yeah. That's uh, the parable of the rich fool is what it says. Yeah. So I do have a question from 13, and you already mentioned it. So 13 says this, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So again, here's this problem that yeah. somebody's like, hey, teacher, tell him, yeah. fix my problem, is I think what you said yesterday. Yeah. Um, on Sunday, we were going, fix my problem. And you spend some time talking about that, where uh, this crowd, maybe this generation, we're so focused on Jesus just simply fixing our problem that we don't look to him as a source that we should. I guess my question in that, and I, I, I hopefully everybody that was there, everybody understood kind of the point that you're making, but is there in anything inherently wrong with that request? Obviously, we want to make first and foremost that we are looking to Christ as our Lord and Savior. Yeah. But in that, is that simple request in and of itself wrong is that something that we should well, I, w- I would say first uh, uh, the mode by which he does it yes. one interrupting not really good but you notice it's not a request it's a demand yeah that's true so there is no um, question mark <laughs> on it and there is no please or thank you right and yeah. so what we see here this is where it gets really dangerous it's all about our positioning <laughs> with Jesus you just said yep we want to make sure he's Lord well that word it doesn't just imply, it means yeah. boss. Yeah. So this guy is telling his boss to the whole world and the boss of the kingdom of heaven what he should do. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that's really important in this, and I, and I share this some, when, when you're, uh, you know, when you're, uh, when you're, Situation can't change, your perspective has to, right? That's just part of it. When you, you can't, you have to see it from a different light. And the only way to see it from a different light is actually to change your position. Yeah. And so, what I would say is at the highest level, we see two uh, inappropriate postures. The first one, he just refers to him as teacher. So, he's lost sight of the fact that this God is God Himself, our Master, yeah. our Lord, right? Yeah. So, teacher, that's going to come up. A lot of people are going to say that, mostly going to be the religious people, right? So, that's going to be first positioning that's wrong Hmm. the second one you see is the demand yeah so and there's never it's never inappropriate to request something of god he can handle it yeah you know uh, one of the things that uh, i think it's henry cloud who says in safe people is healthy people can say no Hmm. and they can hear no jesus is really healthy (laughs) right and so he can say no he can say no like he he yeah. can say no. He knows what's best for you, and he never minds you talking to him. Yeah. Right? And he can say no. So it's never wrong to make a request. It's always wrong to demand something of the God of the universe. You yeah. see the lack of humility in that. And so 
One, we just got to check our posture. Never wrong to make a request. Always wrong to make a demand. Yeah. And even you see this with Jesus. He makes a request. Father, I actually don't want to be murdered tonight. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to go up on a cross. I don't want to bear that cup. Meaning, not just the murder and the you know the crucifixion, but the wrath that he's got. That cup. Yeah. The cup of wrath is going to be poured out on him. I don't want it. Would you not do that? But not my will done, be done, but yours. And so I'd go, if you can get to a point where you can... In with that. Hey, God, but I really want your will over my yeah, will. Your point. will's better. I would say bring any and all requests, all of them. Come on, all yeah. of them. All of them. And before God, if you can get to a spot where it ends with that. Yeah. But not my will be done, but your will be done. And mean it. Because you actually believe that God's plans are better than your plans. Yeah. This guy doesn't think God's plans are better. He thinks yeah. he needs that money. Yeah. So he's coming to the teacher to go, look, God's not going to give it to me. Can you make that happen with that guy so that I can get the money so I can implement my plans? Because yeah. I'm not really interested in God's plans. I'm interested in my plans. So you just see this really deep self-centeredness. Yeah, in this. That's, that's a really good thought because you're right. As you look at it, there's no question mark. It's, it's, it is a demand, and I think that's so good. So in my mind, what I just heard is that if we are asking things of God and then we're upset that they don't happen, if he is healthy, yeah. then where does that leave it? Like the, the natural yeah. is going, okay, well, oh. if he's healthy and he, can, he can say, say no, yeah. I can't receive no, well, then where's the problem? Well, the problem is right. you're unsafe and unhealthy, and we right. got work to do. Right. And we right. all got work to do. Yeah, yeah. and that's not a shot. Yeah. That's just a hopefully an identifier yeah. going, ooh, I'm not comfortable with knowing this, Yeah. so, so therefore why? And what I would argue there is what it certainly seems like is that you have not made uh, Jesus, you have not come into his kingdom and made him Lord, you've invited him into your kingdom yeah. and made yourself Lord, right? Yeah. So yeah, he, yeah. He, you want him to be the master of you know, the manipulator of your kingdom as opposed to the Lord of his kingdom. Yeah. So you don't really tell, like, I love how Francis Chan says it. He goes, you can disagree with all this, but God has his own universe. If you had your own universe, you could do what you, I can even see, like, you could do what you want with this. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. But, yeah, so he's like, but you don't have your own universe. God has his. So you've got to kind of follow the rules of the one who created the universe. I was yeah. like, yeah, that's yeah. kind of fair. That's right. that's good, and it, it doesn't mean that that request. Like so, in my in my personal example or my my life right now, I'm really praying that God would bring healing to my father for cancer. Absolutely. Right? And it's I, I don't want to see my father pass from cancer mm -hmm. at all. Like that's not it, my desire is going God heal him. Mm -hmm. um, but even in that, I, I feel like my dad is a great testimony of this as well. That even if God chooses not to. I will still worship him, and my mm -hmm. dad will still praise him. Like, just got a, a very godly father that's kind of in this going, okay, God, whatever mm -hmm. you would will, and he's setting a great example. But but I think that that's a great identifier for me of going, if I'm uncomfortable with a no to my request, why is that and what mm -hmm. needs to change in me? So I, I don't know. Hopefully that encourages someone else, but that that's kind of what I'm picking up here. So continuing on, verse 14. So, uh, teacher, tell my again in thirteen. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. And this is what Jesus said. But he said to him, "Man," and is that similar? Like it's not like he's saying, "Dude," because yeah. Jesus also refers to like Mary as woman, right? Yeah. This was just kind of a common thing, right? I it's think, not like yeah. going, "Dude." It, yeah. It's just man in a general term yeah. probably doesn't know his yeah, name. Yeah, so I I thought about talking about this, but it's like this is so brilliant. But I don't know if he's doing it, so I don't want to imply this. But I think he's reminding himself, that guy, that he's a <laughs> that human. He's a man. <laughs> I don't know. So you missed the point that I'm God. Yeah. You call me teacher. But let me remind you of the point that you're a man. Yeah. Like you're a mere mortal yeah. talking to 
beyond a superhero, right? So I yeah, don't know that he's doing that, but it is funny. You go, oh, we're going. Oh, about. we're using titles. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you're using an inappropriate one, or just a slightly less. I'm just going to yeah. use the accurate one for you, man. All right. So that's, that's fun. fun. Yeah. So he says, man. Who made me a judge or arbitrator arbitrator, over you? Um, And he said to him, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Covetness. Yeah, covetousness. 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 For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Yeah, so there's a lot here. First, the guy doesn't ask a question. He should. No, Jesus is going to ask a question. And it would be clever if that guy could actually answer the question appropriately. Yeah, right. Oh, you're judge and arbitrator because you're God. Yeah. You know, like, but so he's asking a good question, like really going, oh, who made me judge? Did you just make me judge? Yeah, right. Oh, man, you have the power to make me judge? Like, my title doesn't say judge, but do you think? Yeah. I am a judge. Are did you, you know I'm a judge? Did, yeah, did you know that I'm a judge? Yeah. Did you know that my dad actually is going to have me rule and reign over everything? Right? Yeah. Like, And so there's just so many nuances in that's so interesting. And, yeah, I've always used the word arbiter, or, but ar- but it's arbitrator here. So, you know, I mean, literally, as a judge is exactly what you think it is. One who yeah. makes a ruling. An arbitrator is one who divides uh, uh, divides things, right? So, okay. like, that, that. wait, who made me the one that divides this, right? And so, it's a good question, uh, but they missed it. And so, then he does go on, and he gives them very specific direction. So, yeah. that guy makes a demand, Jesus asks the question, and then Jesus offers a demand. Yeah. So it's kind of this demand sandwich. Yeah. Here. And he's pretty blunt that he says, take care. What's really interesting is the last several weeks we've been seeing the idea that we first we see him, then we receive him, then we respond to him, then we reflect him. That there's something about, and not even like, and I want to pause letters, Galatians, Colossians, Ephesians, and Colossians, I think, maybe Philippians. And he talks about the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart. And it's like, even even there's that reference that there's something about seeing. Yeah. And we've seen Jesus say that light is what is used to see, see, see. So when it says take care, uh, that literally means to, to, to make sure and watch, right? To keep an eye on is literally what that means. Um, but then the guard is also means to preserve by seeing. So okay. two different times, Jesus is going to point to this idea, and I didn't cover this on Sunday, that he wants them to look at something and pay attention mm. to something. There's something about letting light come into us in this. Mm. And so he's going to go take care and pay attention with your eyes, open your eyes essentially, uh, and be on guard against all covetousness. That's not a little bit. That means every place. And this is what's so interesting. We still know this. Coveting is a really interesting one because we don't know. Yeah. Like, I have no idea what you covet or yeah. you struggle with that sin. Right. Unless you invite me into that, I would never know. You would never know about me. Right. Right. This is not one of those that, I mean, we have all sorts of ones we use bullhorns for yeah, yeah, yeah. and things that we call out and, uh, you know, argue over church membership yeah. about. And I have opinions on all of them, right? Uh, but I would say biblical opinions on all of them. But this is the day, this is one of those that people could be deeply entrenched in sin yeah. and no one could know. Do you think it's a blind spot for even us? Like, oh, I think absolutely. sometimes it can be. Absolutely. And sometimes maybe you know it. Like, yeah. sometimes you're like, man, I really want that car or that thing or yeah. that material possession. Or you'll go the opposite. I'm so glad that I don't want those things. Mm. Like, there's still this this yeah. comparing of I am more simplistic than that yeah, person. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it is. It is entrenched in us. Yeah. It is entrenched in our culture. And Pennsylvania yeah. is like nothing I've ever seen in that. Okay. So, maybe there's some in Montana about. RVs and how big the elks they shot. Seriously, I'm not going to be funny there. 
But like the, the comparison trap here and how many sports your kids need to be mm. in and all those things and the education and what school mm. they need to be in and how they need to prepare and all those things. There is this, I mean, it is a messy pressure yeah. here, right? Like, and there's even a, like a more complicated pressure because in this state, they can determine, they make you pay to get your car inspected because there's a certain like level of cars that are even allowed here. Like, you know, there's a way that houses have to be taken care of. And I see pop up a good bit in Pennsylvania, this pride, uh, not in like like the state politics or state identity, but the pride of the local. This is where we live. Our mm. school's better. All okay. those things. And so we we live in that world already. We're always yeah. c- comparing. But I would just say in every single neighborhood, there's that challenge yeah. of, oh, look yeah. what they just got. Look what they just got. Hey, how much did you spend on that? You know, like yeah. just this exhaustion that yeah. comes with it. So, yes. And so he's going, you got to take care of it all. That means... You can't, you got to be careful when you see that that person is eating a Lunchable and you want the Lunchable. Like, what is it in you? So, hey, how do you not focus on those things? What I'd argue is the way that you don't focus on those things, you focus on your actual purpose, which is using your things for the kingdom of God. So he's going, let's start this with taking care. And uh, then he explains to it, and he even gives them a picture of purpose. Life does not consist of an abundance of his possessions. Yeah. And I don't know that we believe that. Yeah. I don't know that we believe that, no matter what class you are. If you have lots lots of things, the goal is more, mm. right? If you live in a different class and have different wages, you're angry and can't believe the unfairness mm. and the inequity of the people that have access to all that because yeah. there's a there's a belief that access to an abundance of things, yeah. education, possessions, is what our life is determined by. Literally, that is what they argue about on the news every single day. Yeah. These inequities yeah. that people have, so many different things. And I'm not saying they're not there. I'm, I would agree with you. There are many of those. There are many of privileges and leverages that people have at different levels that others don't. Yeah. There are people that have power and the people that don't. And yes, we got to figure out what to do about that. But Jesus is going, that's not what this world's about. This world is, your life doesn't consist of focusing on what possessions you can yeah. attain or what possessions you can't. Yeah. I feel like a question that pops up for me in that is going, okay, knowing that we see, I forget what it is, it's like on average 2,000 advertising messages per day, and it's always bigger, better, faster, stronger, you deserve in this. How do we, uh, and maybe this is more of a personal question, how do you combat, how do we live in a world where we don't covet and that we don't desire when we're bombarded with a message of you need better, you need more, you deserve Yeah, so... So the whole goal of marketing is to convince you that your life would be better with right. such a thing, right? Right. right? And that it's worse because you don't have it. Right. And we believe the lie. And so it's, what's interesting is what Jesus seems to be saying here is don't close your eyes. Yeah. But yet all around us, there's things that you should hmm. not be looking at. So what do we yeah. do? Do we just live in a hole? Do we... Yeah. Like I, I, and so I think this eyesight thing really is helpful hmm. going, take care and be on guard. So let's think about it. We can look at all those things. And we can, or we can be on guard and not look on those things. But you yeah. can't just go, don't look, don't look, don't look. Right, right. Instead, you need something else to look at. Right. 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 Like even if you're flipping through channels and see something you don't want to see, the first thing you can do is cancel that. Like just cancel yeah. Yeah. the uh, subscription. But the solution isn't to just cut off the TV and just do nothing, right? That's not going to be helpful for you. What is helpful is actually to go and watch something else, yeah. look at something else. And so a lot of this has to do with where, how we're taking care and being on guard with our eyes. In other words, what are we actually looking at? Yeah. So uh, if we find ourselves watching the stock market or watching, you know, the 
the rates on houses and one of these things that just consume so much of our time because we're just always on trying to figure out how to best manage those things. It's like, no wonder that's all we think about. And, you know, uh, what you focus on is what you measure. Yeah. That's just kind of how it works. And so what you are, what you measure is what you focus on. Kind of this interesting thing. So we got to go, what is it we're going to measure and focus on? Well, that's why I think eventually we get back to the questions. Yeah. You can't look at it as what do I need to give? Yeah. So I can, so all my focus is on what do I need to give to use the rest of this for those things instead of what do I need to keep for this so I can give the rest, you know, and what, what's actually necessary. Yeah. And so I think it has to do with where, what we actually assess as value. So that when Jesus goes, life doesn't consist of an abundance of possessions, he's now changing the rubric and the metric to how we measure our life. And yeah. we know this. We know this completely. Because think about the last funeral you went to. They don't talk about all the stuff they had. Man, this guy had a house at the beach. He had another one in the mountains. No one ever talks about stuff. Even the richest of the richest. Even like Kobe Bryant who died. Horrible Mm -hmm. thing. You watch the the thing. They didn't talk about how much he had. What do they talk about? What do they always talk about? What kind of legacy they leave with what they've given away? So the measure of a person, we know this. It's not how much we have but how much we give away. And so we... We do that intuitively when it comes to the end of a life, and yet we spend so much of our life trying to gather all these things that we can't even maintain. Yeah. So he's, I think the answer is all right, put, point your ass towards what you're get, keeping yeah. and what you're giving away versus what you're getting yeah, in return. That's good. Uh, so continuing on in, in the verse, uh, I think we are at <laughs> 16. Uh, 16. Um, and he told them a parable saying, uh, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain for my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, I don't know who does that. I will say to my soul, soul, uh, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So this is... Uh, so is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. So there's a lot there. Yeah. We're just kind of covering yeah. all the rest of that. But So the first thing uh, in the land of a rich man, what's so interesting is I was reading the scriptures today. So one of the things I do, um, yeah, just a hack for me, is I usually check out the verse of the day on the Bible yeah. app. They're, they're not doing a, like there's someone who actually will do a Bible study there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really neat. I just say download the app, really neat yeah. stuff. But what I always do for some reason, because I don't, just to make sure I'm in the Word and thinking about it as I go to whatever that verse is and I read the full chapter, but Mm. then I just hit play. So Mm. I just have it reading over me and I'll just sit for a while. Sometimes like this morning is about an hour, right? Mm. Just sat in that chair right there in the recliner and just let let it kind of soak over me, right? And I think I was falling in and out of it, but I just was resting and letting God's Word kind of. But one of the things that it said, I don't even know where it was. So I started in Galatians, got to Ephesians. I want to say probably in Ephesians, but then it kept going to... Colossians, Philippians, I mean, I just kept reading and even to Titus, I think that was correct order. That I think is what has happened. But in all that, one of the things it said was God who is rich in mercy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think about this at all yesterday on the thing, but when I said it, it's like, oh my goodness, when, when he's talking about the guy who is a rich man, he is talking about this guy who has more resources than he can use. And you've seen mm-hmm. the meme that's going around, what do you do when you have more than you can use, you don't build a bigger fence, you build a bigger table, right? That's yeah. like the, the neat little mantra. I agree with it. I think it makes sense. Don't build a, fence, a wall, you build a table. But I understand even, no, and this isn't an, 
an immigration conversation because I have yeah. lots of sorted opinions. And if we talk long enough, I'll, uh, you'll agree with me on some things and you'll completely disagree with me on others. And it would just not be good for us. <laughs> the messy middle is where I would live. Yeah, right? Yeah. So in this, the, the idea that this guy has more than he can use and he goes, I got to do something with it. So he decides to store it. Well, God actually has more mercy than he will ever need, which by the yeah. way, he doesn't need any, right? Because <laughs> he's perfect in every way. So this guy is just like a, God is like a mercy distributor. Like you can imagine yeah. him walking around with a gigantic fanny pack, pulling out mercy and going, you get mercy and you get mercy. Oh, new for you in the morning, right? There's just this yeah. beauty of this. But this guy's the opposite. He has a bunch of stuff, right? And so you got to go, why in the world did he inherit a bunch of stuff? And, you know, and why did he get it? And why didn't we? That's where we're going to go. Well, why that guy? He didn't do anything. Maybe his daddy or granddaddy did, right? Ever. And, but Mother Teresa says the richest people in the world are, are the poorest people in the world are actually the richest people in the world. It gets really, really complicated. So the people that I know that are really wealthy who don't know Jesus are just as miserable as the poor people that are really poor who don't know Jesus. They're all just kind of miserable in not knowing what to do with their life. You know, they keep turning over stones. Um, the difference for a rich person is he can turn over all the stones and come to the conclusion that it won't work. So this guy hasn't gotten there. He he has come to the conclusion that security is at the highest level, right? I just need security. I can rest. I need security. And so he builds bigger barns. So he tears down his barns and builds them. And I could have spent, I wrestled with whether or not I was going to show pictures of mud huts and then the metal ones, like the nicer ones, like the, the okay. tin ones. Like the ones you get, yeah. that, that is a like a very expensive commodity. So yeah. if you have a tin hut, you are like you are balling. Like the corrugated sheet. Yeah, metal. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So to think about that. Like no, no insulation, no, right. you know, nothing. Like you can't. Yeah. But like I stayed in a mud hut, and honestly, mm. it was made from mud and animal feces. Yeah. Literally, the whole outside when we were in Kenya, and so the idea that we have storage buildings that are in better shape. Yeah. A lot of them are even climate controlled. We have climate controlled storage for our old dining room table. Yeah. Right? And so all this different stuff. And I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not trying to take shots at us, but there is just something about this. I just want to make sure that for the majority of us, we are the rich person. And what's interesting is what you said, which I I so agree with this idea that who talks to their soul. Yeah. And what's so beautiful about this is Jesus is just saying out loud what our subconscious really is telling us. So you're not talking to your soul, but you are. Yeah. Right? Like deep down, you have to ask the questions like, why do I do what I do? Really? Yeah. Like, why do I really need that house? Why do I, why do I, why am I thinking about all the time retirement? What do yeah. I think retirement's going to be? And this guy had an idea of what retirement was. Yeah. Retirement for him was no longer worrying about the produce. Yeah. Now, what do you do? Does his land overgrow? I don't really know. I have no idea. Like, I don't know how he maintains it all. But for him, the whole idea is that he, could not relax, which is the story for all of us, or at least I think it is. I'm, maybe I'm just aware of myself and my restlessness, and I think we all have it in some sense. And so this guy cannot relax, and he is determined that it's not a pill or a bottle or show that's going to help him relax. It's being secure and comfortable. Yeah. So he's working toward that. So he gives us, Jesus, and again, parable, gives us insight to who that person is, who is also us. And so he's just saying, this guy's talking. This is what he's saying, and here's who he's really saying it to, yeah. his yeah. soul. Which we get back up, got to back up and go, that really is what all the interactions are. Yeah. All the thoughts in our head, they're talking to something in you. What is that something? Well, it's our soul. When we interact with other people that, and we press them and they get angrier, they feel compassion. What is, what is it that makes them feel that? Where is that? Mm-hmm. What's their soul? So Jesus is getting right to the core issue that this guy just wants to relax and enjoy yeah. the pleasures of this world. Yeah. 
I feel like that was such a, an important part of talking about even the storage, you know, the storage containers yeah. that we can have. Because you're right. And it reminded me of a, uh, I think it was an Our Daily Bread devotional that was called House for a Car. It was somebody had somebody visiting from Africa or some missionary country. It was a missionary friend. Yeah. And they, like, showed him their house. And then they said, who lives there? And they pointed out to the garage. And yeah. the garage was like, oh, that, that's where we keep our car. The car lives there. And the person was so, like, thought it was so funny that there was a house mm. for a car. Yeah. And I, I just think, I've often remembered that of going, man, the things that I take for granted, yeah. like you said, most most of the world doesn't have. Yeah, so let's think about that then. Yeah. Because we all have garages, or most of us did. I did not have one in Montana. I did not have one in the, at the farm we lived in in Georgia, right? So we didn't have one. We, we appreciate them. Inherent... Having a garage is not inherently sinful, right? right? right so right. one of the interesting things is being discontent is what's sinful. Right. Right. So one of the interesting things we get we get uh, air conditioning now. Yeah. Two years ago they didn't have air conditioning, which meant they were hot. Yeah. But they weren't discontent with being hot. They were just hot. It just was yeah. being hot isn't sinful. Being angry that you're hot and bitter that you're hot because your neighbor's air conditioning is working. That's sinful. So a lot of these times, these technologies we get actually are what's creating more sin of coveting in our lives. And so having a garage is not bad. So let's think about that. Okay, remember, we'll get back to it. But the question is, why do I have what I have, not why don't I have what I don't have? Well, why has God given you a garage? Yeah. If you got one, you certainly doesn't make sense that you just leave it empty and go, well, nobody else has a garage. I shouldn't have a garage, right? Right. Because that's poverty gospel, right? So when I give my kid a bike... I'll tell you over and over again, I don't want him to look at it and go, my, the neighbor's kids don't have a bike. I can never ride this. No, I gave him a bike. I want him to enjoy it. Yeah. Right? But I also want him to be grateful for it. And I also want him to use it for the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. So what do you do with a garage? Well, maybe it does make sense that you store a car in there so that you can take care of your car and not spend more money on taking, you know, fixing rust and all those things and instead can put that money to a food pantry or that you are giving people rides with your extra car. There's are ways that you can see the garage yeah. and, or maybe you can buy you know, a hundred pounds of bags of rice hmm. and you can store it in there and figure hmm. out ways to do it. There, there are ways to do it. We just got to work hard to think about it instead of just reaction and go, that yeah. belongs to me. It's for me. I just put my car in there. That's where my car lives because yeah, right. I love the car. Not one by ever to touch it. Yeah. So it just, it just, again, we have to think about what we're looking at when we yeah. do those things. So I, this, the goal of this isn't to feel shame about yeah. the things you've been given. I think that, yeah. I feel like that's what's so important. I feel like one of my questions, and I feel like you answer yeah. it in a general term yeah. of, okay, so if I have excess, what should I do with that? Like just in a general question, okay, I need to be a conduit. Yeah. But what are the practical ways to start? And I think that right there, you just said the very first thing is to actually think through how can I use what I have yeah. To bring God's glory. Yeah. Okay, what is that? Does that mean that I'm buying rice? Does that yeah. mean that I'm, you know, renting up my my upstairs unused bedrooms? What yeah. does that look like? So I feel like I didn't know if there's anything practical. I feel like you just answered the question yeah. for me. But where do I begin? If I'm sitting there listening to this, if I'm listening on Sunday, and I have access, I want to be a conduit. How do I begin that process? What do I need to first start yeah. with or think? So we have to, this is where it's really important to be careful and be on guard, meaning we got to change what we're looking at. we got to change the metrics we're looking at, right? And so that's why I even started on Sunday and go, we got to start with this, enti- this entitlement that we look at those things and go, we're entitled to those yeah. things. So the very first question that we have to answer is, what is it that we're actually entitled to? Yeah. Are we even entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? <laughs> Our country has told us we are. But is that yeah. are you really entitled to life? Mm-hmm. Did you do anything to get that? Yeah. It is a straight gift from God, right? And so we're not entitled 
yeah. to anything, which therefore, and this is what Pastor Jeff used to use this term all the time. I think it's a beautiful one. It's all gift. Yeah. Therefore, everything you have is a gift. And you go, well, I worked really hard for that. Yeah, yeah, but God gave you the ability to work hard. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I did the right things. Well, God gave you a structure, a yeah. scriptures, a church, two parents, pretty significant part that you did yeah. nothing to get the two parents that a lot of people wish they had the two parents yeah. huge issue in our world is the families that we grew up in but you didn't create those families yeah. you actually were born into them now maybe you're doing it for your kids and the same thing but we got to go what are we entitled to we're entitled to nothing that doesn't mean you don't appreciate and celebrate having two parents and live in a home that can do that if right. you can right and so you don't but the thing is we first got to start with we don't deserve the things that we have yeah. because where that changes us is it leads us out of greed to acquire more to i'm grateful for whatever i have yeah. right like even for those of us wrestling with illness the fact that you're living and breathing today it seems so trite to say as a gift from God, yeah. a gift from God. And actually the people who have their days numbered see that much better than those of us who don't. Yeah. Like it's a gift from God because we're not entitled to any of those things. So we then go, okay, if we're not entitled to those things, well, what do we do? Well, that's where the definition of contentment is really, really, really important. I love it. If you don't have it yet, God doesn't need you to have it yet. If you don't have it yet, God is because God hasn't has chosen not to give it to you yet. Mm-hmm. You don't need it yet. If you don't have it yet, you don't need it yet, right? And so we got to go, okay, if we don't have it, we don't need it. So therefore, we can stop spending so much time trying to acquire it and instead go, well, if that's a portion of it, then we got to now look at our eyes and change the way we think in the rubric of going, well, if we don't have it yet, we don't need it yet. But the flip side of that same coin is if we do have it, if it's all a gift, it must be because God has given it to us, right? Given it to us. And we go, okay, if he's given it to us, why is he giving it to us? Really, really important. And this is, that's always the metric we got to stop complaining about what we don't have. Why don't I have an air conditioner right now? And I'm not saying you shouldn't call an air conditioning company. Great. But then get about your day and go, what has God given me today? He's given me this car. He's given me this mind. He's given me Facebook friends, whatever it is, and start to steward all that. And so the first step is actually taking a legitimate inventory of all the gifts God has given you that's it so see your resources as a massive warehouse of god's tools for you to participate in the kingdom and this is where it gets hard because i can go well here's how you should use that thing you should start shoveling kids from lincoln university with that seven passenger but i don't know that's what god wants you to do like this is where you got to set your eyes on the things of god inventory your stuff find a purpose and mission for your life or your family or one of the things i think that we really do lack really really important if you're married is to sit down and go why did god give us each other Hmm. yeah why why is it two are better than ones they have a better return for the work as it tells us in ecclesiastes if that's the case what do we do with these two people like why did god put me and you together you got to answer that question there's a reason he put you together if it's a gift and your spouse is a gift and then go, okay, this is the purpose. Our purpose as a married couple is to do what we can in our local community to alleviate poverty. Mm-hmm. Our purpose as a married couple is to raise a family of mission-centric kids. Mm-hmm. Our purpose as a married couple is to live in a neighborhood and participate in loving our neighbors as ourselves. Our, whatever those things are, I don't know what those things are. But I'll tell you where your passions, your experience, and your lo- and uh, the needs of this world, where those three things overlap, your passions... Your experiences and the needs of this world, where those three things overlap. So if you draw those circles where those three overlap, that can be a purpose for you and your marriage. So do it for your marriage. But then next time you sit around the dinner table, what should be often, by the way? Uh, Bring your kids into it. 
Mm. Help them understand it all as gifts. So how do we see this all as a gift? And then the big question then is, if God's given it to us and it's all a gift and we should use it for the kingdom, then you got to figure out, well, what do you actually need? Yeah. Which is the craziest question that I never learned to ask. Wasn't I always thought, how much am I supposed to give? Okay, I've been given $100. Okay, tithe says give 10%, so here's $10 to the church. Oh, my dad said save 10 so here's 10 to the thing. Yeah. I always was thinking about what I need to give, what I need to give, what do I need to give, and then the rest belongs to me, right? Instead of going, well, what do we really need? Yeah. Like, do we really have to live on six figures? Do we really have to mm-hmm. live on 400000 Do we really need all those things? If not, how much do we need? Mm-hmm. And then how do we leverage everything else for the kingdom? Yeah. Like, how much do we need? And I'm not telling you not to have a nice life. I'm not telling you not to have air conditioning. I think people with air conditioning can be more joyful when they're when they're cooled off, right? Yeah. I'm not, so none of those things are saying God doesn't want you to enjoy the things he's given you. Yeah. But when you start to hoard it as a container, yeah. and instead instead of allowing that to flow through you, yeah. so those things you got to figure out. How much? Not how much do I need to give. The best question is how much do I need to keep? keep and so all right so those are questions that say stop asking why don't you have what you don't have instead ask the question why has god given you what he's given you and that question should lead to you and whoever it's in your partnership uh figuring out what your purpose is so figure out your purpose then figure out what you need to keep and then you can give all or as much as you can to that purpose yeah and so that's where it goes okay well where do we start yeah. Right? So if I've never done any of this, like, yeah. okay, I'm talking about very basic steps. Well, that is the beauty of what the church is, right? Mm-hmm. And this is, gonna, this is not a timeshare speech because I just, honestly, I don't care. Like, I don't, yeah. I have no interest in trying to get more money for it. I honestly do yeah. not care. I'm so grateful that this church pays me a salary that I can pay my mortgage, but I have no interest in leading a big budgeted church, right? Yeah. I think we lose creativity the more resources we have. And I love the creativity of our staff. So that's very little to do with any of those things, right? But, uh, and I don't think God really cares that much about your money. He cares about your heart, and those are connected together, and so he's going after your heart. And so this has always been a problem. The nation of Israel had this problem. It was broken, and they were living in a culture that didn't belong to them anymore. And they were crying out, God, 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 would you please speak? Would you please speak? And this is kind of the last one that God speaks through, this this prophet named Malachi, right? And so he uses him, and this is a nation that needs lots of kind of realignment. And God is going to remind them of what he did. So first he gave us family, we messed it up. Then he gave us marriage. And uh, first he gave us marriage, we messed it up. Family made it, messed it up. Then he gave us nations, boy, we messed that up, right? And then he gave us a local community of believers, right? In the Old Testament, that was Judaism and the synagogue and the temple and pointing to Jesus as Savior. And then actually finally ride the ship in the New Testament. He gives us the local church. He empowers it through his spirit by the work of Jesus. But before that happens, God gave them a community to meet each other's needs, care for each other, support each other. And so God basically said, the reason that you're in so much pain and so much disarray is if you've lost sight of what it looks like to live in community, care for each other, and care for your greater community through that work, right? And so God's plan in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament was that he was going to resource mission and vision and bring the kingdom of heaven through a group of people called for a specific purpose. And the way by which that was all taken care of was actually through what was called the tithe, yeah. 10%. Now, uh, the weird thing is the 10% was actually 23% because there's lots of different temple taxes. If you add up everything they were required of, it was 23 And so I don't want to get lost on how much do I give. Don't really care about that. right? But what he basically said to them is you want to write the ship and you want to activate mission, the first place it goes is that you see the church as your local mission organization to get going. The local church, empowered by the Spirit, because of Jesus' work on the cross, is the hope 
of this world. So how do you participate in that? Now, there's lots of other things you can do in being in a local church, but one of the things he kind of points them to is this, this, this system that was created to care for people. And this is what it says in Malachi chapter uh, 3, uh, verse 6. Because he's telling them, For I, the Lord, do not change. So it isn't me that's changed, guys. It's that you've lost sight of mission and vision. You've gotten caught up in the culture around you. You've started looking around for those things. I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, it's not me that's changed. So if it's not me that's changed and your world is broken, guess who's changed? <laughs> Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, and this is the Israelites, are not consumed. So he's going, here's the good news. Because I haven't changed, I haven't destroyed you. Because I'm rich in mercy, right? From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. You've lost sight of the, uh, the, 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 the Torah, the word. You've lost sight of the temple and the synagogue. You've lost sight of it all. Uh, uh, return to me and I will return to you. So see your life as living on purpose for the sake of the kingdom of God. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, it's so good. How shall we return? Hmm. So, okay, God, we understand our culture yeah. is broken. What do you want us to do? Now, here's the really neat thing. He's going to give them an example, but this isn't an example that's thriving on like a V8 engine, right? I mean, this <laughs> is this is like they're running on one cylinder. They haven't gotten the Holy Spirit yet, but he's given us, showing them what they can do without the Spirit. So imagine what can happen with the Spirit, right? Yeah. Uh, here, how shall we do it? <laughs> and he says, uh, uh, how shall we return? Uh uh, and uh, in verse 8, and he says this, Will man rob God? And they would have said, no, and of course not. And he says, yet, you are robbing me. So they're going, how do we return? And God points the picture to the will man rob God? Yes, you are robbing me. So here's the thing. So all of a sudden what he's saying to them is all these gifts are to be used for the kingdom. All mm-hmm. these gifts are here, and you are robbing God because you decided that they go in your container rather than flow through you to your community, right? Mm-hmm. So robbing God. Again, this isn't a shameful thing. I want you to see what happens. Uh, yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you, God? And he says in your tithes and contributions. So in the fact that you have gotten this all as gift, and you've hoarded it to yourself and built bigger containers mm-hmm. rather than at least giving contributions and tithes. That's a 10% of your produce, of what you have, what you, what the increase in your life has been, right? And you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you, right? So all of you are missing out on blessing because you're robbing me. Mm-hmm. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. So bring it into the community bring it into the community, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. So this is so amazing to me. that, And I think in the past we've done 90-day tithe challenges. We're not doing any of that stuff. I'm just telling you that he, he is inviting us to give him back what he's given to us yeah. through the work of the kingdom and see what he does with it. Yeah. So this is a an investment strategy. So we all are thinking about, you know, uh, dividends and mm-hmm. compound interest, all those things. And he's going, let me tell you where, where the biggest bang for the buck is, where the investment is, is when you decide to trust me back with what I've trusted you, you decide to stop robbing me and give your treasure back. Not asking for all of it, even 10% of it. You I, give that back and see what I do. And he makes a promise. He says, you can test him on this. See if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out my blessings. So what I would challenge us to is, let's actually start trusting God with our treasure, which happens to be what's in our bank account, because that's what we see as security. And I promise you, 
more than anything else, this church will be a good steward of every single penny. I, I, I care, our elders care, our staff cares about every single penny that comes to this place. We will not mismanage it. But this, again, isn't about building our church. It's about building the kingdom through his people trusting him, uh, God through his church, the resources. But if you're going, I'm not so sure about that. I'm not so sure. Let me just give you like a little bitty baby step. For those of you who are gardeners, right? Right the second, we have extra land that we're not using. If God's given it to us, he wants us to use it. So we built a community garden. Liz Shabby and her family have done almost exclusively the majority of the work. There's been some kids helping others that have helped us. She has done a ton of work. And the goal is to grow produce that we can give away. But that's just that portion of the goal. What just got added to our corner lot just right now on the corner is actually a produce stand. Right? And so what we believe is actually where we're going to make the biggest impact for our community is actually to give away food that wasn't grown on our property but was grown in your backyards. Mm. So you're going to have excess. And I would challenge you not just to give the excess but to pull out one-tenth of all the food that you Mm. are growing right now and you can bring it and drop it off on that stand. Mm. Right? And we'll uh, make it available on the stand and we'll package it and get it to local food banks, local, 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 uh, to be able to serve the needs of people. Right? And so it could just be, let's actually just do this. If you're not ready to trust God with your money but you've built a garden, (laughs) here is a way to put your toes in. Let's just see what he does with the gardens. Right? Let's literally see what he does because his promise is that he invites us into it and goes, test us. You don't have to have the right motivation to start trying to look at new things and change your heart. You can just yeah. write a check, drop a, some cash in the offering bank, whatever that is. And what he tells us is when our motivation focuses on him and we start bringing back, he see if he didn't open up the floodgates of heaven yeah. and pour out a blessing on us until there's no need. Hmm. No need. If just the Christian church in America would give 10% of their income, there would be no poverty. Yeah. And there would be... Everything you would need for malaria and AIDS across the yeah. world, just at the Christian church in America would go, I'm going to trust God with this, yeah. right? Not not the global church, just the Christian church in America who God has richly blessed. If we could solve that, it would change so much. Our strategic yeah. partners would be so well funded, right? So that we can continue to do the work in ministry. No one have a need. And then he says this, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that I will not destroy the fruits of your soil. You want protection? You got to see that it's not for you. It's not your container, your conduit to get it out. And I will rebuke and protect you. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Watch this. Then all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. You see, when you move the rubric to be about God's kingdom, it actually changes your countenance. So you want to start, figure out what God's given you. Figure out why he's giving it to you. Figure out purpose for you or your family or your marriage. And then start trusting God with what he has given to you as gifts. And if you want to start at 10%, seems to be a good place to start. That you can start seeing God at work. So I'm not talking about just your money. What it look like to donate 10% of your time, right? Like to serve God with 10% of what you got. Make your house available 10% of the time. Car, whatever it is, as you start to see these things, and how do you give it back to the kingdom and see what God will do with it? Just test us. And so I'm, for me, as someone who loves you and knowing God loves you more, just love for us to experience this yeah. and trust this. So I, that's what I would say, and that's what I conclude with. Okay. Well, Sorry for the long like. No, answer. you're good. You're good. I, we wanted to get to Malachi anyway. Yeah. So I, I love that verse. Like even long before I was on staff at a church, this was a verse that I remember. Um, thinking about as I tithe, like even yeah. as a teenager, like, and I even love that challenge of like, test me in this. Yeah. Like, well, we're not supposed to test the Holy Spirit and test God, but Jesus and God goes, 
test me yeah. in this. So uh, th yeah. that's the challenge. That's the encouragement to you. So jump in if tithing's too much. I love the idea of just how about a little bit of, of the produce, yeah. right? Like 10% of your time, something uh, to jump in. So that is all the time that we have for today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We will be back again live next week as we continue on. Um, I think we're in the 90s for our overtime episodes. Nice. So thanks for coming. We hope that you're challenged and blessed. Let us know if you have any questions overtime at clcfamily.church or text us at 610-869-2140. So thanks a lot. Have a great week.